Um, well, welcome. Hello. If I've not met you, I'm Andrew. Privileged to lead the team here at Trinity. So hello. We've got lots of new people I know in, uh, either first time or, or joining us, just trying out. So welcome. Uh, hopefully you get a bit of a flavour, genuinely, of, of who we are trying to, trying to be. And it's a real privilege to kick off this new series. So we've got this series about, about big questions. And um, we're going to, over the next few weeks, tackle some, yeah, some tough topics. We're going to uh, talk about suffering. Uh, we're going to talk about, um, uh, today, other religions. We're going to talk about identity and sexuality and gender and, and try and speak into that, that big debate that there is uh, right around our whole world. And I'm sure in every one of our own, our own hearts. And um, yeah, join us. Join us on this journey. Uh, life groups are going to be able to follow up with some notes and things. And, and those notes, you know, just join us on this journey. And the, and the seminars, as Tim said, uh, we've got three of them. And uh, today we'll obviously be particularly focusing this afternoon on, on today's topic. But in the future seminars, there's an opportunity to pick up on any questions from from any of the any of the topics, um, so yeah, what are your big questions? I mean, my big question is is what has Alfie, my dog, called me? Have Have you thought about that? What's your dog decided to name you? We had a long discussion about what to call Alfie. Um, I wonder what he calls me. Um, in In the cinema, when you go to the cinema, which armrest belongs to you? Do you know, isn't that one of life's big questions? Um, can a short person talk down to a tall person? So it's a question I ask myself quite a lot, especially when, you know, a number of you. Um, here's, here's one. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start becoming partly sunny? Where, where's that moment? And, and I love this. Is there another word for thesaurus? <laughs> yes, I did Google it, and I got no replies. Um, I, think there's a, I think there's a scale uh, for those of us uh, in here and elsewhere who avoid the big questions. Those of us who, who sometimes can be tempted to think that as, as Christians and as perhaps particularly in the kind of bit of the kind of church family of Jesus Christ that we belong to where, you know, we, we sing with some certainties and we, we put a lot of premium on, on perhaps confidence sometimes and, you know, some, lots of good things, but sometimes those can err, uh, can't they? And there's, I wonder if there's a bit of a scale. So um, obviously there are a lot of people who just think we're irrelevant. They just think, sadly, there were some surveys done. I, I noticed a, a while back once, uh, um, Barna, in, in America mainly, but, but look, looking, and they were saying to people, you know, if you had big questions about what happens when you die, you know, suffering, those kinds of questions, sadly, a, a tiny percentage that they'd come to a church to ask those questions. You know, and we live in a culture, don't we, where, where people are much more concerned about, about social media as, as the kind of, you know, you'd put your questions, you'd put your questions out. You know, I've, I've said before, um, if you've got a phone in your pocket, you've got all the knowledge that you could ever need. You can Google whether or not there's another word for thesaurus, but that's not the same as wisdom, is it? And, and so we don't, in a sense, need more knowledge. What we need is, is wisdom, don't we? 
But the problem is there's, there's irrelevance. Lots of people just don't think we're even the right people to even engage with. You know, our faith story is not the right story. Or there's, or there's a lot of disillusionment, isn't there? There's lots of people who just tried asking questions, have wanted to ask questions. Maybe you're here today screaming out, thinking, you know, but no one ever really addresses the elephants in the room. No one really ever addresses the questions that, that I've got. And so you meet lots of people, sadly, I meet lots of people who are really disillusioned. They, they, they've come perhaps to a faith community. They've, they've come into this journey with us and, and other places, uh, you know, really excited about the possibility of being able to get to grips with big, deep questions. And yet what they've discovered is, is that either they're not addressed or people feel difficult when you ask those challenging questions. People put a, a kind of faith gloss but perhaps for a right reason, but it just doesn't land well. I wonder if on this scale also, if you've experienced friends, and perhaps again, might even hear what I would describe as brittle faith. I think part of my own story of growing up was, was of being told to be very certain about quite a small number of things, really. And then when I met some people who didn't believe those things, when people asked me some slightly tougher questions or were in life like I experienced some tougher challenges, discovered that my faith had a certain brittleness to it. It didn't have much depth. You, you got people that you've journeyed with. And, you know, they went to uni or, or someone in the family got cancer or a marriage broke up or something about identity or gender came to the fore and and suddenly faith this faith just well it was brittle it just broke just crumbled away or i wonder if you know you might just feel just a nagging a nagging sense of a lack of confidence yeah, these questions that the world it seems to be asking people at work, in my family, wherever you may be, are asking, neighbours are asking, I just think it's safer just to sort of go a bit more personal and a bit more private. It's, it's just safer to kind of duck down a bit. You know, you just not sure if I can be confident in what I believe. Well, that scale's a worrying scale, isn't it? Because I don't think it'd be very hard for us to think of members, people we love deeply, who've somewhere on that scale of some big questions not being addressed. Of, and maybe you're here today and you're hanging on by your fingertips, hanging on to some sort of faith because you've got these questions. No one seems to address them. And there's a cost for a world that's desperate in need of wisdom, as I've said, isn't there? There's a cost. There's a desperate desire for good news Tim and I and others take funerals sometimes. I did one on, on Friday. I always say at a funeral, no one ever on their deathbed says, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. I asked the question of the people at the, at the funeral service, what would you like people to be saying about you when it's your funeral? You see, I was confidently able to say that for Christians, death is not a full stop, is it? Death is a comma. I was able to speak in confidence and hope about Wendy, the person who's, who had died and whose service I had the privilege of speaking at. 
And I was looking at a bunch of people, and sometimes you just know there was a, a sense of people were with you. They wanted to, yes, they, we need some good news. We need hope. We need encouragement. We need something to live by, to live for. We need this confidence. And if you, the Christians, you, the followers of Jesus, you, the ones who say that you're in contact with the God who created all things and gives the gift of wisdom, the one who promises that when you don't know, ask me and I'll tell you, if you can't even talk about this stuff, well, where am I supposed to go? Why wouldn't I go to social media? Why wouldn't I go to Love Island World or whatever it might be? We need to have confidence, friends, that we're okay with big questions. We're okay with complexity. Complexity is not a problem. It should be complex. These are complex things. I need to be confident in saying sometimes on a deathbed, I don't know why this has happened. I don't know why this person has died. I don't know why that prayer wasn't answered. I need to be confident in my faith, being able to cope with things that challenge and get, get thrown at it. I need to be able to confident, not arrogantly, but confidently speak to people about identity, speak to people about gender, speak to people about sexuality. I need to be confident about science and faith. There's no clash between science and faith, not a clash at all between science and faith. Scientific method is very, very similar to faith stories. Set out something, look for the evidence, see how it adds up. I delight in a world of complexity. We need confidence and our God wants to give us this confidence to not be put on the back foot by tough questions because there are things that are real that are hard to explain. Eurovision. <laughs> Love. Love. Self-consciousness as well as self-awareness. Alfie steps on a nail, it hurts him. But I don't think he's sitting in his basket going, why me again? There are things that are real, that are complex to explain. And friends, we can have confidence in entering into these discussions Asking the question whether all religions lead to heaven is a, a helpful starting point because in answering the question, it's going to remind us of the framework, isn't it? Which shapes the way that the Bible talks about God and specifically about Jesus. It's the framework through which as followers of Jesus, and that's a, that's a big sort of kind of immediate thing to say, as a follower of Jesus, I'm not starting in a neutral position. I come to this discussion, I come to the questions with a framework which I want to bring to these questions. It's a framework based in Scripture because I believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Big assumption, but it's what I start with. I come with Christian tradition. I'm not starting alone. I'm not having to go onto to social media and sort of ask what everyone else thinks about it because I can look at my tradition as a Christian, how Christians have wrestled. I do it together in community. It's not, a, it's not an isolated thing. 
It's why life groups and other kinds of ways that we gather are so important to share our questions. And if you're feeling like a, a bit of coal that's feeling like you're cooling down, you need to get your bit of coal alongside some other coals. If you're feeling like you're on that scale of kind of drifting away, death by a thousand cuts, get in with some other Christians around you. We're going to need to do some theology. Don't worry, that's just thinking about God. Theos, God, Logos, words. That's all it is. We're going to do some thinking about God. We need to be comfortable about doing some Christology, some thinking and some talking about who is Jesus, because that is the crunch. With Scripture, with the help of the Holy Spirit, Jeremiah 33, thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. Now there are some big assumptions in our framework and I just want to recognise, haven't got time to go into them today, that many would challenge the fundamentals of our faith framework. They say some of them are dangerous, made up, magical, away with the fairies kind of, kind of stuff. I, I love, uh, and I've got Nicky Gumbel's book here, which I unashamedly declare to you I've taken a lot of material from. What about other religions? Because it's just a great summary book. So acknowledgement fully to Nicky Gumbel, but I love if you've ever done the Alpha course, Nicky's own story as a, a barrister about how the evidence that we bring together is like in a court case. There's rarely the one clear single piece of evidence, but you take all the bits of evidence and you put them together and it makes reasonable grounds for your conclusions. So as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, and in answering this question about other religions, I'm starting from the fact of believing there is a spiritual reality. There is what C.S. Lewis said, there's a, a yearning for something else that is proof that there must therefore be something else. As a follower of Jesus, my framework is that when I explore with a genuine desire to encounter God, I do encounter God, and through divine revelation, through what I receive rather than what I construct, I come into knowledge and truth. I believe that the more I relate to God, the clearer the choices that we have in life come to the fore, the hopes, the dreams, the possibilities. I, I believe as a follower of Jesus, and the question assumes this, doesn't it, that I want to be in this thing heaven. I want to get to heaven, right living, a, an unspoilt state, of a place of no tears, of no illness, in God's presence, a, a state of fully being. As, as a follower of Jesus, and behind the question is the presumption, the assumption that there is free will, that God has created us with choices, and that God takes those choices seriously. It's never particularly popular, is it, to talk about hell, but you've heard me, maybe if you've been here before, say that I, I find it helpful, a lot of commentators would head in this direction, I want to honour those who would read scripture in a slightly different way to me, slightly more literal way to me, I honour that, I don't know, I hold that intention, it's fine, but I tend to think of hell as being the opposite of heaven and therefore the opposite of being 
with God, who is the ground of all being. So hell is to not be. I just have this sense that it matters so much that God has created us with choice and that he will honour choice. For me, I find it helpful if we were discussing this over a drink, we could talk about it more. I find it helpful to have this sense that it's not so much about God sending people to hell, but it's about God honouring the choice to walk away from him. But as a follower of Jesus, I believe that we are not just saved from something, we're saved for. We're saved for life. And that the God-given relationship through Jesus, through all of this, is what means that heaven is a both a now and a future. On Friday, I said that Wendy already had her passport. She hadn't had to send off and hope it was going to make it back. She already had her ticket. She knew it wasn't going to be cancelled. She stepped onto the flight at the moment of death and didn't then get turned back. She was a citizen of heaven, living on earth. Other religions, other faith groups share much of this framework. As I've said, there'd be many others who would question it completely and that's not really where I've got time to go. I would ask them some of the questions that I've posed. If you're talking someone who's brave enough to have faith as an atheist, then I would say, why do you have self-awareness as well as self-consciousness? Are you happy that death is the end? Where's the justice in that? But with people of faith, I recognise that many would share some of that framework, but it's an important but. We are not all the same in what we believe. You cannot blend, syncretise all different faiths and religions to say they're just one. It all adds up to the same thing. It's not possible it's illogical Nikki Gumbel will set out for you and there are other books you could go deeper with to take this further but some faiths are, are non-theistic some have a number of deities largest ones have just one some have a concept of heaven some don't have a concept of heaven some have a concept of sin some don't have a concept of sin some have a concept of god who forgives many do not have a concept of a god who forgives some have a sense of grace some a sense of works do we need a guru or a teacher or a savior Today is Trinity Sunday. It's when, as Christians, we celebrate the fact that God has revealed to us, we didn't make this up. If it doesn't make your head hurt, you're not thinking about it because we're thinking about God. It's rightly complex that God has revealed himself to be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all at the same time, three persons in one. When the Jehovah's Witnesses knock on your door, we need to say that we do not believe that Jesus was a word, but we believe he is the word. He is God, not a God amongst many. I admire their passion. I admire Jehovah's Witnesses' desires to share faith, but I need to say we've got a difference in understanding about Jesus. 
when those lovely young men walking around in their white shirts with Elder Andrew or Ethan or Nathan on their badges wander around, those lovely Mormon men. Again, I massively admire, I'm inspired and challenged by their passion to share. But I want to say to them, what we believe about Jesus is different. You find the Trinity through the whole of Scripture, not in one neat, neat little description, but the heart of the message. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, 2 Corinthians. All three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, involved in creation. All three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, involved at Jesus' baptism. All three persons be uh, to the commission of Jesus to us to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the New Testament is emphatic, the Bible is emphatic for me as a follower of Jesus, that this matters in this framework, in this desire for connection with God. Jesus' own words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12, when Peter and John, first followers of Jesus, heal a crippled man, the crowd gathers. What's going on? They say, salvation is found in no one else, they respond. For there is no other name, says Peter, under heaven given to mankind, by which we must be saved. It is our claim to uniqueness that the word has become flesh and has dwelt among us. We have seen his glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. It is our belief that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin, all that cuts us off from God and being who we're called to be and live to righteousness, live to righteousness. By his wounds... We have been healed. If we don't, when we're speaking to a Muslim friend, touch on the offence of that to a Muslim, then we're not really engaging with a serious question. Can you really believe that God, he can't be God if he would allow that to happen to him? You're talking to a Mormon friend and having a really open conversation and you're, you get straight away into the question of grace rather than works. Because a Mormon's passionate about, about works, but they, they, they're desperate for grace. You, you speak to, to um, uh, someone who really wants to know, uh, again, talking to Muslim friends, so desiring to truly experience the presence of God in their lives. Not to be thinking, am I going to face, face God and there'll be these scales and there'll be all that I might have done wrong and have I done enough right? Wendy had a passport. Wendy had a ticket. Wendy went through a boarding gate. She was a citizen of heaven already. Are you? This is what we've got to share. So what do we say about these other faiths? Do we say that they're all, you know, just sorry, damned, you know, nothing good in them? Well, that wouldn't be true, would it, to our, our framework? Our framework is of a God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. Our framework is a, a God who, if we read the first part of our Bibles, sends Jonah to a city in Nineveh and, and keeps sending him. 
Our, our framework is of a God who says to Abraham, the first covenant, you know, I, I, see, I see them all. I see the stars. I see the people. Now, I, I want to honor those who would read the scripture in a, a tighter way, read scripture in a way and say there are only some who are elected, some who are chosen. I, I want to hear and to honor the fact that people would say that's an act of grace in itself. No one deserves to be saved. So the fact that anyone is saved is an act of grace. I hear that, I sense that, but it's not where I am, friends, quite. Do you, do you know what this picture is? Do you know what this is? What's that? Any ideas? Looks like the bottom of a cheese toasty. Very close. Looks like the back of... Looks like battered cod. Yeah. Anyone have cornflakes for breakfast? Next slide. You see, I think it's really helpful with a God who has made every person on earth in his image. With a God who has revealed himself, says scripture, to all of creation through creation. To a God who only saves by grace, never by religion or club or works. I find it helpful when I'm looking at other faith groups and religions and when I have conversations to be confident in saying, I do believe that in Jesus is the full revelation of what you're looking for, of what you need, what you want. Sometimes I have to say, I think you may be only seeing, just as we all can, just a little bit of the story. And if you, if you pull back, you'll see more. Just come back from holiday and one of the party, one of our young adults had never used binoculars before. They were amazed. They put them through, looked over from one side of Polzef to the expensive houses on the other side of Polzef and said, I can see the people cleaning. You just turn the little dial and it goes from a fuzzy picture. Yeah. And I appreciate this is provocative, but when I'm speaking to some friends from other faith groups, I say, it's a bit like you, you, you're either just slightly off where you're looking or if you just turn the dial and bring into focus, who you will see is Jesus. So I want, I want to honour all the truth. I want to honour all that's good in, in your own story and what you believe. I want to be positively challenged by young men from America or where around the world who would give a year of their life. I want to be positively, you know, I find it painful and crucially painful. I avoid as well. I pretend I'm not in as well. But I honour Jehovah's Witnesses prepared to knock on doors. I honour the Jehovah's Witnesses who sent me a letter, a personal written, handwritten letter, inviting me to their church. It might not be the way I would do it, but this, I think, is to believe in a God of, of mercy, a God of grace. I, I notice, and of course, the, the crunch question, as I break the microphone, is 
how can salvation work for those perhaps who have never heard of Jesus, who never profess his name? Again, Nicky Gumbel's book does this a lot of justice, much better justice. But I have certainty, as Nicky says, in a God who will be just. A deeply helpful theological question is, if this was true, this statement, this thing I might believe, who does it make God? If I believe in a God who desires numerous stars, if I believe that the gates of heaven are actually much bigger than I might choose to to draw them, I believe God will be just. I I notice God's mercy and, and, and hope throughout Scripture, as I've already said, I noticed that Paul, in in writing from Rome, Book of Romans, says that many more people will be saved through Jesus than have been lost through the sin of of Adam. I noticed that Abraham believed in God and it was credited to his righteousness, credited to him as righteousness, sorry, before Jesus had died on the cross. I noticed that in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, again, as Nicky Gumbel describes, more fully, that when the tax collector says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, Jesus says of him, he went home justified before God. I want there to be absolute clarity. I do not believe that all religions in themselves can lead you to heaven. I believe that everyone who is in heaven will only be there because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. I want to give a strong health warning. The Bible speaks of other gods as being a real concern of spiritual power, of deception, of used by Satan, the evil one, to deceive and to mislead. I might imagine with my binoculars that if I was a Jewish person, I'm just looking ever so slightly to the side of who Jesus is. I might think of the same with Islam. I would recognise that Satanism is looking in completely... Sorry, that's really unhelpful to point at the cross. (laughs) Satanism is in point... You, You see what I'm saying? I mean, there is a deception in changing one word in John 1 from the word you know, the word was God, to add in the word a, to the word was a God. That tiny word a is deceitful. And there is a crunch question that comes through scripture, who are you going to serve? There are many other gods in our age, aren't there? We've talked about money a bit. The God of Self-definition. The God of choice. Me leaving my partner, it's just a matter of choice. It's about me being me, who I am. Please don't hear me not being alive to the dangers. There is deception, real deception. But I believe I can enter into conversation with people, not having to be aggressive, not having to seek to correct, put them right, challenge, tell them, start by telling them they're wrong. 
I believe I can start conversations by saying, wow, I, I love praying. Do you love praying? Sadly, that's not the experience of lots of people in other faith groups. I can start a conversation by talking about, well, the Holy Spirit last week said to me, I was talking to somebody, and the Holy Spirit said to me, and you can just see the person's just going, what, God, God with you, God speaking to you. I, 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 can, I can talk about Wendy's funeral. I can talk about how, as horrible as her death was, we can celebrate the life that she now lives. And I, I can talk about those in a way which are attractive, which are life-giving, which, which people want to have conversation about. They want to engage with big, big questions about, yes, you'll get to and you need to get to talking about who is Jesus. That's the crunch, always. So friends, where's your confidence are you in any sense on that scale I suggested about, about struggle with big questions? I, I so urge you, please, let God be God in your life. Let Jesus be fully all he is in your life. Don't, don't be arrogant, but don't feel the need to be on the back foot Please have no fear of asking your hardest, deepest questions in your life groups. Please have no fear about engaging with, with me and, and others in our church leadership about all these tough things. So saddens me sometimes when I hear people were scared to come and say something because they just thought, well, you know, it might be cut out, ostracised. And I have to bear responsibility, not, I hope personally, but... You know, church, big C. Jesus is always the measure. And that's great news because it means with the Holy Spirit guiding us, we always know where we go in the conversations. How does this stack up with who Jesus has shown us he is? Who he's, he's shown us God. Has anyone seen God? Yes. Yes. Holy Spirit is our trustworthy guide. The great joy of being Trinitarian Christians, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, is we're not thinking God well, might be over there somewhere being Father at the moment or over there being Jesus and sometimes Holy Spirit. All the time, in all places, everywhere. And here a little bit, I hope, of warning not all religions lead to heaven. We're not all the same. Please don't dabble. Don't syncretize. Don't try and blend. It won't bless you. It won't bring you life. And please also hear a little challenge about your families your streets, your workplaces, whatever world you inhabit. People want good news. There is a desire in every one of us. There's a God desire. No one sits in a funeral without thinking about eternal destiny and things like that. No one. 
I find very few atheists at funerals. I've been to a couple of humanists, more than one, where the humanist celebrant has the curtains closed. Couldn't stop themselves from just saying something about more. Because there is more. And I have great hope. I absolutely believe in a God who takes our choices incredibly seriously. And that gives me, as Karl Barth says, you know, we should have, that gives me real passion to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But I'm looking forward to lots of surprises in heaven. I'm looking forward to a big table. I was thinking about Judas. I was thinking about what was going on as Jesus gave Judas communion. As he welcomed him at the table. Was it just because Jesus knew that in his last moment, just before he hung himself, that he would put his trust in Jesus? Did did Jesus have that knowledge? I don't know. What I do know was that the one who betrayed him, he gave him bread (laughs) and he gave him wine. He welcomes him at the table. (laughs) And I'm certainly not the one to judge others.